Welcome to the Sea Charleston Podcast. My name is Jonathan Jackson. I've been a tour guide in Charleston for 24 years now, and the point of this podcast is going to be to help you get the most out of your visit to Charleston. Joining me today in every podcast episode will be Justin Schwebler. How's it going, everybody? And we will be discussing all the different topics about a visit to Charleston. Today, being our first episode, we wanted to talk about the most obvious one, how to get to Charleston and where to stay when you arrive. That's pretty much a topic all on its own. There's really only two ways to get to Charleston, driving, obviously, and flying. So if you're flying into Charleston, you'll be flying into the Charleston Airport, which is going to be in the North Charleston area. If you're driving, you're probably going to be coming via I-26 or Highway 17. And so there's going to be several areas around Charleston that you can stay in, and we're going to discuss some of those. I think one of our first ones we decided was going to be Somerville, South Carolina. Somerville is the next town going north about 19 miles from Charleston. Uh, It is a little bit further away than most people would expect, and Justin and I can both attest that the traffic between Charleston and Somerville is epic. I was actually just looking at the traffic, and from here in downtown, they're estimating that it'll take an hour and 15 minutes to get to Somerville. So, you know, short 19-mile trip that takes... (laughs) Almost two hours exactly. if you take 26. So you're, you're looking at, you're going to be moving between here and there at what, approximately 15 miles an hour. And, and that's also on a Friday afternoon at 345, not in tourist season. So And it's definitely going to be worse when the season gets a little bit busier. So Somerville uh, isn't even really less expensive. It's a wonderful town on its own. It does have a lot of development. There's a lot of uh, stores up in the Somerville area, but it's mostly the stuff you're going to have at home, uh, Target, Walmart. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Now, the Somerville downtown is definitely, I think, a worthwhile place to visit, especially if they have a market open or something on the weekends. Exactly. In it's terms a, of you know enjoying your stay. Or the Charleston. Azalea Festival is a good time to go up there. Exactly. Uh, but staying there for a visit to Charleston, the main attraction is Charleston. It's going to be somewhere you want to be. So Somerville's might be a side trip if you're here for five or six days. Uh, but for the most part, you're going to want to be closer to Charleston and Somerville. And the hotel rooms there aren't really too much less expensive than they are yeah. in the North Charleston, West Ashley, or Mount Pleasant areas. It's pretty comparable, um, what it looks like, at least right now, kind of in the off-season, to what you're going to find in North Charleston and West Ashley. And so, and once again, those are you know your major chains, Marriott's, Hilton's, that sort of thing, standard rates. And North Charleston and the Marriott's and those places, uh, those hotels in that area are catered to airport traffic for the most part, yeah. so they're going to be pretty nice, mostly new. And, and the convention crowd, too. Exactly, and they're half the distance uh, to Charleston from the airport. So North Charleston is going to be a little bit better option. Uh, getting there, you're eliminating the main hassle of the traffic, which is the intersection at I-26 and 526. That intersection is a catastrophe it's what causes all the traffic between charleston and somerville and if you're staying in the north charleston area around the tanger outlets where 90 percent of the hotels are then those hotels are going to get on right after that so you're actually going to skip all that traffic mm-hmm. so that's a little bit better place to say you're still going to be about 20 minutes from downtown charleston you're still going to have to park your car when you get downtown and that's going to go without saying with any of the outlying areas you got to park when you get here and we'll go over that once we kind of finish the areas of the hotels yeah. I think moving up, we said West Ashley would be the next most desirable place. Yeah. West Ashley, there's there's really not quite as much. Um, there's kind of a cluster of hotels um, farther out um, at the 526 and 17 intersection. Um, and there's some decent deals there. I know people who have stayed kind of out along 17. But, um, you know, you're kind of in a, a 20th century wasteland out there. <laughs> yeah, there's... Uh, surrounded by malls, strip malls, and car dealerships. So it's not 
a glamorous part of town to stay in, and you're definitely not going to be out walking around in the evening. You know, you're just going to go back to your hotel and crash. Not at all. And yeah. you're not definitely going to walk around unless you're, you know, you want to go up to the Avondale area, but none of the hotels are really even close to Avondale, right. uh, which is the kind of the downtown part of the West Ashley neighborhood. Not within walking distance, at least. Not at all. But the West Ashley is a little bit better option in terms of North Charleston or Somerville because they do have at least a little bit of local uh, flavor in that area you have some local restaurants a couple breweries that are popped up in west ashley mm-hmm. so i always kind of joke on tour that charleston's west ashley area has become sort of like brooklyn to new york <laughs> uh, it's kind of the the last affordable place that's about to become unaffordable that makes me feel really good <laughs> that i live in west ashley <laughs> I live past West Ashley. I live in the Brooklyn of Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the best analogy I yeah. could think of for it. So it's kind of like it used to not be cool. Now it's very cool. Yeah. And it's got a lot of great restaurants uh, that are popping up over there. So that's a pretty neat place. And then the last area is going to be across the big bridge, which we all call the Cooper River Bridge or the Ravenel Bridge, uh, which is over in Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant is one of the most affluent neighborhoods of Charleston. It is its own town. There's some pretty good hotels over there. The closer to the bridge you stay, the better off you're going to be. Uh, So when you go further up 17, you're going to end yourself in a little bit of traffic, but not too much. Uh, And if you stay right at the base of the bridge, you have access to a lot of great stuff. There's a waterfront park, Patriots Point. um, There's a golf club and everything, and tons of restaurants and shops and everything. And old, uh, Old Mount Pleasant and even in the newer developments, too. And Old Old Village Mount Pleasant is fantastic. That's where The Notebook was filmed. You're also very close to Sullivan's Island and Owl Palms going that Mm -hmm. way. So if you're planning on spending some time at the beach, uh, then you're going to be closer to Sullivan's Island. Owl Palms is probably the most visited of the beaches that we have. And then probably Folly and then Sullivan's Island be the lowest. Um, So we'll cover beach islands on a whole other episode and what each one has to offer. Uh, But Mount Pleasant is going to be closer to those beaches than any of the other hotel options really are. And then, of course, the last option is the main attraction, which I think Justin and I both are in full agreement on this. Staying downtown is expensive because it's worth it. Because once you get here, you won't even need your car. Yeah, and you shouldn't use your car. I mean, you really, downtown is a perfect walkable city, um, and you experience the city best kind of on foot. Um, Really getting a a sense of the scale of the city, the flow, um, the culture, I mean, everything it's hard to do looking out a window while you're driving by it's extremely difficult to do that way and one of the things about being in the middle of downtown too is and know that a lot of people say it's a very walkable city but charleston is immensely walkable Mm -hmm. it's one of the most walkable cities i've ever seen anywhere Uh, from some of the major hotels downtown like charleston place the dewberry you can walk out of the hotel and in three or four minutes be standing in an excellent restaurant or absolutely phenomenal coffee shop or from Charleston Place, which is the biggest hotel in downtown Charleston, about 440 rooms, you're going to be about 10 minutes walk from house museums and from the historic district's residential area yeah. south of Broad, which is what everybody comes to see. And it's great. There's some phenomenal hotels in downtown Charleston. I will go some of those options as well. There's the standard chains will be north of the Crosstowns, and we can start up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Crosstown is where Highway 17 crosses the peninsula of Charleston. And there are some hotels in that north of that area uh, that are pretty good hotels that aren't terribly expensive. There's a a couple of Marriott's and Hilton's, I think, on the west side over by MUSC, the medical hospital. Um, And there's a couple of parks and things up there right next to the the Citadel also um, that are 
decently priced. Um, you know, it's going to be kind of middle of the ground, probably around $200 range a night. Um, and then that, you know, depending on the season increases, the closer you get to uh, the center of downtown or closer to the um, south abroad. And it's also kind of worth noting, too, that if you were to stay at, say, the Holiday Inn Express on the Crosstown, then, you know, you're going to pay $180 a night, but you're going to get free parking. Yeah. But... If you were to bring your car into the heart of downtown and park it for the day, that's $18. If you were to take an Uber, it's going to be about six, six yeah. each way. So it'll cost you less to take an Uber into downtown and just leave your car even at those hotels in that area. And a lot of those hotels offer shuttle service too. So, you know, and depending on hourly rates and stuff, uh, you know, it can vary, but I'm pretty sure that most of them operate almost 24 hours or at least run late. They do run pretty late. I think I've seen the Marriott Hotel shuttle out at about 10 30 11 yeah. o'clock before uh, so a lot of those shuttles do run fairly late that's a great area to stay in uh, if you want to kind of stay a little bit in a budget but then be somewhat close to downtown mm-hmm. now once you get into downtown there are some major hotels that have kind of popped up and three or four in particular have sort of taken over there's also different levels of hotels so depending upon the size you're looking at bed and breakfast um, and then going all the way up to major large hotels that are extremely well appointed Mm -hmm. and one of the options that we get a question about a lot is airbnb Uh, airbnb is a very touchy subject in charleston right now most charlestonians are not big fans of it it is also absolutely 100 percent illegal so if you're staying in an airbnb it is against the law Uh, it's the destruction of the historic district by allowing these houses to be converted into Airbnbs, so the city has made it illegal to stay or operate an Airbnb mm-hmm. here in downtown Charleston, and we don't support it either. We want these houses to stay residential. Yeah, by the middle of summer in 2018, over a third of Charleston's downtown housing stock had been converted into short-term rentals, um, like Airbnb. Um, there were over 2,000 individual houses that were listed on the website, um, and so you can see how this quickly manifests into a huge issue for the residents of the city because we're losing access to housing um, and you know in downtown people are being forced out um, you know into the the suburbs and stuff and you know we want to provide living space for our own people <laughs> it is and we yeah. want it to be a livable city a real city yeah. and airbnb drives it out and i think charleston saw the writing on the wall with things that have happened in new york Mm-hmm. And so they've taken the step to ban it. And one of the most impressive things I saw was that they've hired four officers to track Airbnb and uh, short-term rentals in downtown Charleston. And mm-hmm. they went from 2,000 listens in summer of 2018. They're down to 250 oh, listings wow. now. Okay. And they've handed out, I believe they said, over 400 summonses uh, for okay. violations. And so the violation for the ticket is a $1,000 fine. Uh, so they they really cracked down on that, and it's going to continue. I'm sure they're not going to stop till they get that number at zero. Uh, there are plenty of hotels. There's no need to stay yeah. in an Airbnb. And there's new hotels going up all over the city. I mean, and, and that's what we really need to focus on because that those hotels provide tax revenue for the city. Um, they're providing you with parking. They're providing you with a really nice bedroom, comfortable, safe place to stay. Um, that's really within easy access to everything you could want to see. And I know that, you know, people want to come and have a real Charleston experience, but, um, you know, come down to Charleston, stay in a hotel the first time and make a friend with a local who owns a cool house <laughs> and then come and stay with them. And then come stay with them. That's a, yeah. yeah, that's a great way of doing it. It's, and plus with the hotels here, the, 
what they're going to offer is going to be, I think, better than what you would get in an Airbnb. The only reason to stay in an Airbnb would be that it's cheaper, and you could stay in an Airbnb, I think, in Mount Pleasant, still North Charleston, those areas, if you mm-hmm. really want to do that. Uh, but downtown in the historic district, it is illegal. Uh, so that's something you don't want to participate in. You don't want to show up for your Airbnb and then be in the middle of them handing out a ticket yeah. to the homeowner who's booked your room on Airbnb, and then you find out you've got nowhere to stay. Uh, so don't even take the chance. Uh, but as we move through into the regular hotels, there are some amazing hotels in downtown Charleston. Just going over some of those, uh, we got three big luxury hotels in the city. One of them is on the verge of opening as we speak, which is the new Bennett Hotel. Uh, so they're not open yet, uh, but it's a good-looking building. If it were 75% of its size, I would really love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's a little bit big, but it's a gorgeous new hotel. Uh, they've done a lot of work on it, and uh, John Bennett did a really good job with the development of that hotel. Yeah. Situated right on Marion Square. So it's where the big uh, market is on the weekend through most of the year, through the spring, summer, and early fall. Um, provides access to everything you could want, right on Upper King Street, part of downtown. And it's right next to every festival in yeah. Charleston. Wine and, and food. Seaweed. Seaweed. All of those things happen to literally in the front lawn of the Bennett Hotel. Yeah. And not far from the Bennett, um, like right 300 across yards, the square, yeah. is uh, the Dewberry Hotel, which is a 1964 federal building that's been renovated and turned to a very trendy hotel, very mm-hmm. mid-century modern, uh, with a very nice cocktail program in the living room, very nice rooftop bar on the eighth-story Citrus Club, uh, and a restaurant down at the bottom called Henrietta's. I haven't been to the restaurant, but I've heard it's very good. It's pretty good. I've been there uh, twice, uh, and it's pretty good. And I don't think it's as good as the grill uh, in Charleston mm. Place, but that's a that's a high mountain to climb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but the Dewberry has very nice hotel, very good staff. Um, they have ample parking there as well. And one of the things the Dewberry has that I think is pretty cool is they're sponsored by Volvo. So they actually have Volvo VCX90s and two four-door sedans. Uh, I think S80s really? uh, that they actually will take you anywhere to downtown. I so they didn't will know not that. pick amazing. you up, They'll but they will back. take you. And uh, <laughs> you can see why they wouldn't pick you up. You say, "Oh, we'll be out in five minutes," yeah. and then forty <laughs> minutes later, uh, you're not out. But they will drop you off anywhere you want to go, which is kind of a nice feature. Um, and then the third of the big luxury hotels is, uh, I think, easily the rock star of the group, which is Charleston mm-hmm. Place. Uh, Charleston Place is in a location that no hotel will ever be granted yeah, the again. variances that Charleston Place got again. Um, part of that reason is historic. The city of Charleston wanted a big, shiny new hotel in the middle of downtown Charleston in the late 70s. Uh, they fought over the plans for the building for 10 years. Charleston Place was completed in 1986. It has 440 rooms. It is as close to the residential and historic districts with a major hotel as you can possibly get. It has a outdoor pool on the roof uh, two restaurants uh, three restaurants now actually meeting at market (laughs) palmetto cafe and charleston grill charleston grill is probably a top five restaurant in the city of charleston and has been for decades very long time and it's a great place to stay full concierge service valet service Uh, so it's a really good option now it's not inexpensive Uh, there are a couple chain hotels in the historic district that are Inexpensive. The day the mm-hmm. days in is one. I always joke that I can tell how busy the city is because of the days <laughs> in parking lot. Uh, so if you see the days in parking lot with five or six cars in it, you're like, oh my, uh, no one's here. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one is another great option too, which is the Hyatt Place that opened up um, at King and Spring. Oh yeah. 
That's a pretty big building. And the last time I checked, I think the rooms there were about 190 uh, for a two-bedroom suite in the Hyatt House. They have Hyatt House and Hyatt Place that are in the same yeah. building. And for uh, those of you who haven't been to Charleston in a while, you know, hearing Spring Street might make you kind of give you a shiver in your spine. But, like, the, the city is completely transformed within the last five years for in good ways and bad ways. Um, you know, we, we can get into that later. Um, but yeah. the, the sections along Upper King Street, Cannon, Spring – I mean, everything is completely different, even since the time it's I've been here. booming up there now. Yeah. I, I always joke that, you know, I, before I saw Trattoria Luca open up on Bogard Street, I used to say Bogard Street was a one-way ticket to a gunshot death. <laughs> uh, and now there's a, a lot of great restaurants on Bogard Street. So yeah. it's kind of amazing the way the city's changed. So it, Justin's right. If you've seen Spring Street and that kind of sent a shiver up your spine, um, you can walk up and down Spring Street as late as you feel like it nowadays. It's perfectly fine. There's a new place just opened up there called Bourbon and Bubbles. Yep. Uh, so a lot of new restaurants on the King's Spring area. Uh, so that's a great option if you want to stay up in that area. But the further south you go in general, the better off you're going to be. There's a lot of premier bed and breakfast in the area too. Um, the one that's really taken the world by storm, I think, is yep. Zero George. And the bed and breakfast is also a, a great way. There's a couple in Harleston Village I know that are really good. Um, and if you are looking for that, you know, old Charleston house feel, that gives you an opportunity to support a local business that's been here for a long time, you know, and you can still stay in the, that old room with a fireplace, whatever, if you want to, and you're going to pay a little bit more than you would, you know, maybe for a hotel room or an Airbnb or something, but, you know, you're supporting a local homeowner who's had that for, you know, decades. For decades. Yeah. And there's a couple of these B&Bs have been open for a really long time. Uh, the Rutledge House, the Governor's House, and uh, Two Meeting yeah, Street. Two Meeting Street's been around for a long time. 40, 50 years. Two yeah. Meeting Street's been a, been a bed and breakfast. And that's about as good as a location as you can possibly yeah. want right to stay Point in. on White Point Gardens. You're uh, right at the tip of the peninsula. Tiffany Glass House. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's premier. And they have a sherry tasting on the porch every afternoon. Yeah, so. I mean, who wants to do that? <laughs> yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. uh, so those are some really good Airbnbs. Uh, the Rutledge House is a funny story. Um, I'll forever be in debt to the owner of the Rutledge House. One night I had parked in front to photograph it. And it was, he showed up, uh, actually I had parked on, King, on Broad Street facing to the west and somebody who had had too much to drink came off King Street, nailed the back of my car, removed okay. the front bumper and the back bumper. She had had way too much to drink, and he heard the commotion. It came out, and um, she walked up and ran up saying, you don't need to call the police. And I just remember him from the porch going, oh, honey, that ship already sailed. <laughs> and then he asked me, did I want coffee? And I said, yes. And she said, oh, me too. And he looked at her very callously, and he said, I didn't ask you. <laughs> So when the police showed up, I was in the go. drawing room of the Rutledge House drinking coffee with the owner at, at 1030 at night. Uh, so he was really, really nice to me about that. He's also said it was the fourth car he'd seen that happen to in the oh last six months. Wow. Uh, so, But it's a great location on Broad Street. The governor's house is across the street. Mm -hmm. Those two houses have always cracked me up. Just a little bit of history there. One was owned by John Rutledge. One was owned by Edward Rutledge. They were both governors. They were both Rutledges. <laughs> so either name could go with either house, which has always kind of been a little bit of an amusement to me. Yep. Uh, beautiful places to stay, too. Incredible places. Yep. And they're in great location as well. So those are some of the hotel options that you have around downtown Charleston. So when you're coming into the city, that's something you really want to think about. How much time do you want to spend in your car? The further from the city, the more you're going to be in the car. Those hotels in Somerville... I mean, they're popping up at an alarming rate, especially yeah. around the I-26-17A intersection. Yeah. And I'm not sure why 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's enough people coming to where they think they really need the the bedrooms, but you know, I think we can't stress enough, you know, how how important it is for you to come and actually visit the city and walk around. You want to ditch your car as quickly as you can and kind of get out and beat the streets. Um, and if you have to do that, you know, by taking an Uber downtown from wherever else you've decided to stay, try that. You know, if you stayed it's in West it. Ashley or North Charleston or, you know, even Somerville, I don't know what an Uber to Somerville would cost, but good a luck. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, you know, try and get downtown. One, it, you know, removes your car from the streets. So we're not getting the additional traffic and stuff during, you know, high tourist season. Um, but, you know, you're also going to get a much more fulfilling you know, authentic Charleston experience. Without a doubt. And another thing as we're on that kind of note, so we're talking about hotels, places to stay. One of the things too we want to go over is the parking. So if you are going to bring your car into downtown Charleston, uh, this is something I want to put out there and I can't stress it enough. The hourly rate for a meter is exactly the same as it is in a garage and you are limited to two hours. It doesn't mean every two hours you come back and put more money in the meter. It means that in two hours you You get a ticket. You have to move the car. So it is far better to put the car in the garage and not have the stress of do I need to go back and feed the meter or move the car. Or leave it at your hotel. That's an even better option is to not even have it. Uh, But if you are going to drive into downtown, put it in a garage, leave it. The maximum for a day of parking is $18, which is nothing. Which Uh, could also offset the cost difference in your hotel. You know, exactly. So good. if you're parking your car at $18 a day, add that to your hotel uh, and you may end up in a different hotel. So that's something right. to kind of think about. Um, so when you come to Charleston, and I see this again and again and again, people just circling, looking obsessive over meter spots. They're useless. Yep. There's no point in it. You might as well put it in the garage. It's the same hourly rate. And then you don't have to worry about it. And it's covered. So yep. if anything happens to it, you've got gr- cameras and everything else in there. As opposed to King Street, uh, where your car, yeah, you're never going to find a mirror is going to get ripped off. Yeah, mirrors <laughs> are going to get ripped off. Uh, you open your door to get in, and a cyclist will run into you. Uh, so it's going to be much better option to just put the car in the garage and leave it there. So that's kind of getting to Charleston, where to stay. I think that that's kind of an important part. Sorry about my phone ringing a minute ago. I forgot <laughs> to turn it off. Uh, so a little bit of a rookie mistake there. Uh, now as we move through, we just want to do two segments uh, in every episode which I think are going to be pretty fun. The first one is Charleston had a large group of French Huguenots come into the city and they changed the pronunciation of almost every word in <laughs> Charleston. So uh, one of the things we wanted to start off with is one of our little segments which we're going to be calling You're Saying It Wrong. And um, I think the one that we decided on today has nothing to do with the French Huguenots but uh, we hear it all the time. Somebody says that they want to go to the beach, and they were thinking about going to Foley Beach. Um, but the word is spelled F-O-L-L-Y. And folly. Folly Beach. Folly so Beach. Just like Seward's Folly or any other word, anytime you've seen that word, it's pronounced the exact way it always has been, Folly Beach. Yeah. Do you want to hop on a trolley? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. A trolley? A trolley, or Poli <laughs> wants a cracker. Uh, so it's Folly Beach, and that's going to be, that's, I think that's my biggest pet peeve one. Uh, when I hear yeah. people say that, I always say, oh, there's no E in it. That, that one, one, that one hurts, L's. yeah. You always yeah. cringe a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Some of the other ones you understand because they don't make any sense, but, yeah. but that one you're like, that's just reading. Yeah. Uh, but it's Folly Beach. And then the other segment we want to do, uh, which is 
that not that's not true because uh, so, uh, <laughs> this one might outlast the uh, you're saying it wrong <laughs> exactly you're you're we hear this constantly um there's always something that you hear about charleston that you're like that's just not even close to yeah. being correct so jonathan being a tour guide for 24 years and i work in historic preservation in the city um, we get a lot of interesting tidbits about charleston history oh yes <laughs> especially people who will tell you things uh, that you just kind of shake your head at. And, of course, yeah. I, I admit uh, the group of friends that we have, when we go on a tour of something, we're probably the worst people <laughs> to ever have on a tour because there's just too much swimming in our heads, and there's almost a moment in every tour where an eyebrow raises yeah. somewhere along the road. So um, <laughs> it, it's kind of humorous, but I think the one that we get in Charleston uh, quite a bit, or we get tons and tons and tons of them, but... Uh, the one I think we decided on this time was that Charleston was completely destroyed during the Civil War. And I hear that all the time. And they're like, oh, this is all rebuilt. And I believe it's the source of the best question I've ever been asked in 24 years, which is, have these buildings always been that old? <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I can only assume that that question was meant, are they replica buildings yeah. like Williamsburg? There is one replica building in Charleston. The city was not destroyed during the Civil War. Sherman was called to go north uh, to meet at Appomattox. He did not burn Charleston. A detachment of troops came at the Ashley River. They never made it any closer than about six miles to the city of Charleston. Uh, Sheridan's troops would eventually come in and take Charleston over. There was a fire in 1861 at the beginning of the war that had nothing to do with the war that gutted a big swath through the center of Charleston, about 570 acres. When Union troops took the city over at the end of the war, there was no one here to tell them. Oh, by the way, that wasn't from you guys. That was a fire yeah. that we had before you got here. A couple years ago. <laughs> a couple years ago. We just didn't have the time to repair it, you know, since yeah. we've been under siege. But There was some limited bombardment of the city, but it didn't really cause any significant damage. No wholesale destruction. Yeah. And cannon fire at that time is amazingly random. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's hitting the same thing repeatedly is a very interesting trick, unless you're very, very close to it. So... Uh, the city wasn't destroyed during the Civil War. The architecture and the buildings we have, they're the original buildings. They're not rebuilt. It's not Williamsburg. Uh, now, there are some original buildings in Williamsburg. It's so not to disparage Williamsburg, but a lot of that was rebuilt. The Governor's Palace, things along those lines, were all rebuilt buildings. But Charleston is not that way. The only rebuilt building in downtown Charleston is the Mills, Mills House Hotel. And kind of the Elliott House, but that's yeah. a minor <laughs> thing. So uh, the Elliott House is one of our bed and breakfasts that had a very interesting lean in it uh, we had a small earthquake about five or six years ago and they had to rebuild three of the four walls and so it's technically the same building but, but one still stood strong but one stood <laughs> strong uh, and actually i watched them rebuild that building that's probably the safest building in charleston to be in now yeah instead of using two by fours they use steel i-beams as the construction member so i was kind of impressed by that but that's uh, today's that's not true. The city wasn't destroyed during the Civil War. The architecture you're seeing is the real architecture of the city of Charleston. They're the original buildings for the exception of one building. So everything else is exactly as you would have seen it when it was built 100 years ago. Most of the buildings in the city are over 100 yeah. uh, in the historic district area. So it wasn't destroyed during that time frame. Uh, we plan on doing this about once every two weeks to three weeks, a new episode. So uh, we'll cover different topics. We plan on getting down the road to um, food and breweries and anything you can kind of think of, tours yeah. to take, what everything offers. And I'm sure we're going to open up a 
email address too. So if you guys have questions and suggestions, things you want to know about, things you liked and didn't like about your trip to Charleston, you know, feel free to send those in. And, uh, you know, we'll probably get all that set up here in a couple of weeks. We've um, got that set up. Uh, ccharlestonpodcast oh, at gmail.com. ccharlestonpodcast at gmail.com. And that's S-E-E. Charleston podcast, Charleston. not SEA. So it's ccharlestonpodcast at gmail.com. And we'd be happy to answer any questions you got go. about visiting the city of Charleston. Hopefully this will help you get booked into the right hotel and make the most out of your visit to the city of Charleston. And we will be back next time with a topic we haven't figured out yet, but uh, we'll get to it. Yeah. So uh, we'll catch up with you guys again. Hope you enjoyed listening. And if you have any suggestions for us, email us as well. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye-bye.